It's my pleasure to introduce our speaker, our preacher. She's a mighty woman of God. She's a good preacher. She's gorgeous. She dresses well. And she has a lovely accent. Now that's, that's enough about me. <laughs> Please welcome Mary, our own Mary. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's wonderful to be here. Are you glad to be here? Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you today about um, something that I heard while we were on our trip to Southampton. But I want to start out with this scripture. It's Romans 12, 2. And it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How many, oh, how many know that you can prove what the good will of God is? Do you know that? Did you know that? Hallelujah. I've got a question, and I want a show of hands. Okay? I want you to be honest. How many of you think that you can think like God? Show of hands. Come on. How many of you think you can think like God? All right. That's better. <laughs> that's right. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says this. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Holy mackerel. Can you... Can you th- oh, my goodness... That opens up so much stuff that we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of the anointing. We have the mind of the Son of God. We have the mind of the Holy Spirit because he's included in that. We have the mind of God. Now, I know there's a lot of people who would say, Oh, we could never know the thoughts of God. And they quote Isaiah 55 verse 8 where it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. And they leave that one verse standing out there all by itself. But if you back up a few verses, you will see that God is speaking to the wicked man in that passage. The natural man. The man who has not had his mind renewed by the Lord. So that's who can't think the thoughts of God. It's the wicked man, the natural man. His mind has not been renewed. Their thoughts are being conformed to this world, to the way this world thinks. Even in the church world, we can see that in all sorts of ways how the world has crept into pulpits and theologies that are way outside of sound biblical teaching. Haven't you seen that recently, over the last couple of years especially? So we're all double-checking our ways of thinking and learning more about what the Bible means in all sorts of ways. Now, when the the four of us, Julian Costas and um, Florence and I, went down to Southampton, we went to the Stirring. That was a conference that was put on by um, Randy Clark's organization. I took a lot of notes. But there was one theme that just kept capturing my attention, and it was this. Pastor your gift. 
or shepherd your gift? Well, I thought, well, now, what does that mean? What does that, what does that mean? And I kept asking, what, what do you think that means? What, is it, what do you think that means? Come on, give me some insight. What do you think that means? Everybody said, well, I don't know. <laughs> so I got to asking the Lord about it. In 1 Corinthians 12, there's a, lot of, a list of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. But there's way lots more than those. There are the benefits listed in Psalm 103. There are the things that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, how, the Father, how God the Father feeds us, clothes us, and has abundant life for us. And, of course, the best gift is our salvation, isn't it? Amen. Because without that, we can't get anything else. Well, here's the list from 1 Corinthians. There's a word of wisdom. There's a word of knowledge. There's faith. There's gifts of healing, working of miracles, There's prophecy, discernment, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And there's another list of gifts given to the church in Ephesians 4.10. And it says, He that descended is the same that ascended far up above all heavens that he might fulfill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So those are gifts that have been given by the Holy Spirit to believers, all believers, so that they can do the work of the church, so that they can edify the body of Christ. Okay? All right, so now we have a good listing of some of the gifts that the Lord has given us for the work of the church that need to be pastored or shepherded. Gifts that will help us not to be conformed to this world's way of thinking. But that's also a two-way street. We use the gifts not to be conformed, but that's only half of it. How do we use the mind of Christ to protect these gifts? How do we do that? Now these are the gifts that we need to take care of as they are precious gifts. And just like any expensive gift, we need to make sure that they are protected. So what does pastor your gift or shepherd your gift actually mean then? Now the word pastor is from the Latin and it means shepherd. Literally a feeder. Equivalent to being put out to pasture or being made to feed. So when the shepherd rounds up all the sheep and he puts them out to pasture, he's being a pastor or a shepherd to his flock. Okay? So let's look at what a godly version of a shepherd is. Where where do you think I'm going with this one? (laughs) Psalm 23. It's the shepherd's psalm. So what does this shepherd do in terms of our giftings? Well, verse number 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean? Yep. He will provide whatever we need to make the gift both accessible and functional. That's what a shepherd does with our gifts. He makes them accessible and functional. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. In terms of our gifts, we don't have to strive to activate the gift that he has given. 
It comes from a place of rest in him and a place from being fed on his goodness. When we feast on God's goodness, he will activate the gift that he has given to us. Verse 3, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Just like the prophecy that I read over the last couple of weeks, we will not be humiliated. We may not see the fruits of those gifts immediately, but we will not stand before the throne in disgrace. That's because of his righteousness. It's his righteousness that does all this anyway, not our own. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Even when the road gets rough, and we're trying to activate our gifts, and nothing's happening, when the healings aren't happening, the wisdom and knowledge escapes us, when the enemy tries to tell us that God has abandoned us when nothing happens, that's not true. God is with you. He is still with you. He is always with you, even when things don't come the way that we thought they would. I'm going to tell one of the stories that David Wagner told down there. Um, The Lord told him he was going to be able to raise the dead. And he goes, okay, well, how do I do that? Where do I I start? What do I do? How am I going to do this? So he thinks, okay, well, I'll, I'll start by visiting funerals. That's what I'll do. Now, in the States, you've got to remember, they have open casket visitation uh, before the actual funeral and burial of a person, Be- usually because the, death, the funeral happens within three to four days after the person died. I mean, it's almost immediate. So there's no stinking of bodies and all that sort of stuff. You know, the decay hasn't really set in yet. So he goes to the funeral home, and he commiserates with the family a little bit, and then he goes over to the casket, and he leans over and he goes, um, Psst, you're not supposed to be here. Get up in Jesus' name. Guess what happened? Nothing. He did that a hundred times. A hundred different funerals he visited. He says, until I got caught. (laughs) The funeral directors of that city came to him and said, you can't possibly know that many dead people. He says, so stop doing this. You can't come to any more funerals. He said, okay, all right, fine. All right, Lord, so you said I could raise the dead. Now what? Where am I going to go now? Oh, I know, like Julie said, I can go to the morgue. He had a friend who worked at the morgue, and the guy slipped him in. So he does the same thing. He goes to the body and he goes, psst, you're not supposed to be here. Get up in Jesus' name. Guess what happened? Nothing. He said he did that a hundred times. Until he got caught. <laughs> so he says, all right, Lord, all right, I'm, I'm done. I forget, forget this, forget, I, I'm just not, when it's time, I'll get fine. So he goes pastoring and preaching missionary style into Africa. And there was this big open air meeting where there was thousands of people. And he, there was up on a raised platform. And he said he could see in the distance this lady come walking, carrying her son. She'd been on the road for four days, walking, carrying her dead son. She came and she laid the boy on the platform and she says, I've heard that you you serve a God who can raise the dead. Here's my son. And David goes, "Um, 
Uh, okay, I've done this 200 times, Lord, now what do I do? And the Lord said to him, those were practice times. This is the real deal. You pray for that child. He prayed for that child and the child came back to life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. That is such an encouragement. Even through all of those 200 times that he prayed and nothing happened, he knew that God had told him that he was going to be able to raise the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit. So remember, when you are in the process of activating your gift, even if it doesn't happen after the 10th time or the 50th time or the 200th time, God has still given you a gift. He's never taken that back. All right? Amen. Then in verse 5, it says, You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Now, there's two things here in this verse that I wanted to talk about. When the enemy tells us that we can't function in whatever God has given us, we can still feast on the goodness of God right in the enemy's face. We can still feast on the, on the presence of God. He's prepared a table for us in the presence of the enemy right in his face. And in the face of the people who are naysayers. Who say, uh-uh-uh-uh, no, 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 can't do that. Somebody said a while back, and I think it was Anne that said this, that that table is right there in their presence as well. So they can also come and feast. We just need to do the inviting. And this is what the gifts are all about. Drawing people to the wedding feast. And we are anointed to do that. And when we shepherd our gifts like this, the result is this. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's our gift. The gifts that the Holy Spirit are for those. The gift for the Holy Spirit for us is that we get to live in the house of the Lord forever. Now that's a picture of how the shepherd behaves. So what does that have to do with pastoring pastoring or shepherding our gifts? Now this is where that first scripture comes into play. Not being conformed to the world's way of thinking about whatever gift it is that God has bestowed on us through the Holy Spirit. The world will tell us that the gifts of the Spirit are way out of date. They're way past their use-by date. (laughs) I love that. Thank you, Lord. They are no longer valid for today. So we poo-poo them and when they're talked about. And I remember when my own dad would turn on the car radio to some high-spirited preacher as we drove home from someplace or another and who was talking about miracles and being filled with the Spirit and praying in tongues and all the other things and how dad would make fun of everything that the preacher said. He was conforming to the world, the world that says those things are passed away, that they are no longer valid for today. But this is what God says. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. 
It shall not return to me void or empty, but it will accomplish the thing that I please, and it will prosper in the thing where I sent it for. For you'll go out with joy and be led forth with praise. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. I am waiting for the day when I get to see and hear trees clapping their hands. Won't that be fantastic? I mean, we're going to jump and shout and we're going to start clapping our own hands and we're going to go, oh my Lord, (laughs) praise God, I can't wait for that. And this is also from Romans 11, 29. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. He will never go back on his promises. Now that verse was originally speaking about God's promises to the Jews through Abraham. But when Jesus came... His sacrifice allowed us all to be grafted into that line of descendants and therefore recipients of that same promise as well. So we get all the promises that God gave Abraham and his descendants as well as all the promises that the Holy Spirit gave us after Jesus came. Now this is understanding how we stop conforming of our minds to worldly things. This is how we begin to pastor or shepherd our gifts. By realizing that God has given them and they're not going to be recalled or rescinded or done away with, but they are there for the edification of his church. Amen? So do you have a gift from God? Have you had your mind transformed by the word to be able to understand what you've been given? Do you understand its importance in the body? Have you been able to exercise your gift? How are you pastoring your gift? Are you talking to God about it? Are you asking for understanding? Are you being obedient to even the smallest unctionings of the Holy Spirit to use it? When the Holy Spirit goes, do you go and do what the Holy Spirit has told you to do? Or do you just, oh, well, no, no, that's my own mind. You know, know, blah, blah, blah. Are you asking for more? Whatever gift you have been given, whether it's a pulpit-related one or an administrative one in nature, it's a glorious treasure that must be protected by the way you think about it. If you think that your gift is either non-existent or for somebody else or I can't use it, then what? What what, what then? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you're not taking care of your gift, how long do you think that it will lay dormant? How many people would have benefited from the exercise of your gift, but couldn't because you didn't understand the importance of what you'd been given. Now, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on anybody here. I am trying to instill in you, though, a hunger and a desire to take your gifts seriously, to keep them alive and well-oiled by the Holy Spirit so that we can fulfill Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me 
Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives in the opening of the prison. Uh, I got lost. <laughs> to, uh, to point them into, where am I? I'm lost. Opening of the prison to them that are bound and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. Guess who the trees in the field are they're going to be clapping their hands the people who have been set free by the anointing that's us we have our minds transformed by the word so that the sick can be healed so that the lame can walk so that the brokenhearted can be comforted so that all the things we have been anointed to do can come to pass And so the dead can be raised. Remember that Jesus said, The works that I do, you can do also, and even greater works than these, because I go to my Father. That's John chapter 14, verse 12. This is what having our minds transformed by the word means. We take seriously the words of the Lord and not allow the nonsense of the world to dictate what we can or cannot do in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what pastoring or shepherding our gifts is all about. Feeding them on the pure word of the Lord. Resting in the Holy Spirit and not getting all fractious and verklempt when things don't work out the way that we thought that they should. And knowing that when we take our gift seriously, so does God. These aren't jokey gifts like we get in Christmas crackers. These are bits and pieces of anointing from the Holy Spirit himself. One final thought then. When we are presented with the gift of the Holy Spirit, don't back away in fear. Oh, I I don't want that one. I could, I could never live up to that. Well, I could never be worthy of doing that one. I wouldn't even know how to use it. I might mess it all up and do a lot of damage. How many of you have ever thought about those things? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see at least one hand and one nod and, and smiles all over the place. Well, let me ask you a question in response to those things. Do you trust God to know what he's doing in your life or not? He already knows exactly how you will handle any gift that he bestows. He's already taken into consideration your state of mind, your personality, your abilities, and your inabilities. He already knows your level of wisdom or lack thereof. He's he's already got you sussed out. And he still wants to give you one or more of his gifts. Now, isn't that amazing? He knows us inside out from day one to day zero. He knows everything about us and he still wants to give us a gift. Whew! Now don't go into some kind of false humility and refuse to operate in what you've been given. Don't get all big-headed about it either. It's the Holy Spirit at work 
through you, and he will do as he wills if you cooperate. When God asks, who will go? Be like the prophet who answered, here I am, Lord, send me, use me. When you have learned how to shepherd your gift, God will surely use you. Just remember, we're always learning how to do that. One of my most used prayers, if you will, is this. The more I learn, the more I know, I don't know much. Teach me, Lord. Again, Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's always be renewing our minds by the word of God so that we can prove what the will of God is for our giftings, for the use of them, for the sake of the ones out there who need them. The world needs them. We need them. You need them. Amen.